Okie dokie. So, Debbie is up with Psalm 89. Yep, these are just some extras if anybody comes. Go for it. Okay, so this little handout is from the Wycliffe Bible translators, the Wycliffe Associates out of the United Kingdom. And I chose this one out of all the other ones that I researched because I just liked the way they organized it. It was enough information, but not too much where it got so complicated that it would have taken a month to get through instead of one little 20-minute session. This is a really, really long psalms. So we're going to read the psalm, but we're going to take, you're going to help me read it. So in the beginning here, it says that you see this star in front of kingdom. Anytime you see this star in this handout, it's a vocabulary word that, ha that is explained at the very end of your handout. There's a whole word list at the very end that gives you all the words that have stars by them. And they're, they're gives the definition of that word. Okay. So I'm not going to go through all those, but if we come across a word that has a star by it and you're, and you're just wondering what does that mean, you can look at the end of this handout and it will give you the definition. I like the definition of amen. We agree. That's how they define amen. There's some other neat words that are defined at the very end. This psalm is talking about God's kingdom, and Ethan supposedly wrote it, the Ezraite. At the end, we're going to talk about some complications with that. But it says, make your kingdom come soon. Make people obey your rules in the earth as they do in heaven, Matthew 6.10. This is part of a special prayer that Jesus taught us. A kingdom is where a king rules. Here, God is the king. So, the first part of Psalm 89, verses 1 through 4. So, Justin, you read verse 1. Jolene, you read verse 2. Jennifer, verse 3. And Heidi, verse 4. So, go ahead, Justin. I will always sing about the verse. kind love of the Lord. I will tell my children verse and my two. grandchildren that you will do what you have promised. Uh, yes, I will say that nothing will ever stop your kind of love. You will do the things that you promised in heaven. God had said in heaven, I have made a covenant with the man that I chose. I have made special promises to my servant, David. Someone from your family will always be king, and there will always be a place where they will rule as king. And then that word Selah is um, a place to pray or think or make music. Some people think it means to pause, doesn't it? To stop pause, and think about stop it. Stop and reflect. Oh, that was a part of what I was supposed to read? No, 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 no. Oh, okay. <laughs> no. So the story of Psalm 89, God made special promises to David. They are in 2 Samuel 7, 12 through 17. The important promise is that someone from David's family would always be king. Ethan wrote Psalm 89 many years after this. He called it a mascal, a psalm that teaches us something. 
In the psalm, Ethan sings about a problem. God had promised that there would always be a king in David's family, but now there was no Jewish king. The army from Babylon had beaten the Jewish army. They took the Jewish king to Babylon, and the king of Babylon, Nebuchadnezzar, became king of the Jews. How could anyone explain this? Christians have sung this psalm on Christmas Day for many centuries. This is because Jesus is a king from David's family. He will always be king, and he was born at Christmas. This is how we explain the problem, but Ethan did not know this. In verse 3, the covenant is what God and the Jews agreed. If the Jews would love and obey God, then he would keep them safe. The Jews had a special covenant name for God, Yahweh. We translate it Lord with four capital letters. In this part of the psalm, Ethan says that he still believes that God will do what he had promised. Ethan was right. We think that Selah means a place to stop and pray or think or listen to music. Okay, the next part of the psalm is talks about the kingdom of heaven. So it's Psalm 89, 5 through 18. So we're just going to take turns and read all these verses, 5 through 18. So John, you're going to start with verse 5. In heaven they praise the wonderful things that you have done, Lord, also the holy angels that meet together. Know that you will do what you have promised. For who is there in heaven that is like the Lord? Which of the sons of God is like the Lord? God frightens very much the holy ones that meet together. He makes them more afraid than anyone else does. Most powerful Lord God, who is as strong as you are, Lord, and you do everything that you have promised. You are the ruler of the boiling sea. When the water rises up, you make it quiet again. You broke Rahab and killed it. With your strong arm, you destroyed your enemies. The skies belong to you, and so does the earth. You made the world and everything that is in it. You made places in the north and in the south. Tabor and Hermon praise you when they hear your name. You have a strong arm. Your hand is powerful. You have lifted up your right hand to use your power. You have built your kingdom doing what is right and fair. Your kind love and the fact that you keep your promises go in front of you. The people are very happy when they know how to praise you, Lord. They will walk in the light. They will praise your name all day and talk about your righteousness. Your glory will make them strong, and by by your grace you will lift up our horn. Yes, our shield is the Lord's, and our king belongs to the Holy One of Israel. Psalms 89, 5 through 18 means, in verses 5 and 7, the angels are holy ones, are holy because they live with God. Holy means very, very good. Only God is really holy. In verse 6, sons of God is another name for holy angels or holy ones. They are not people from the earth, but God's servants in heaven. The answer to the two questions is nobody. The angels are not like God or as good and powerful as God. In verse 8, it may mean who on earth is as strong as you are. The answer again is nobody, not even the sons of God and the holy ones. In verses 9 through 14, the psalmist comes down to earth. He has talked about God as the most powerful person in heaven in verses 5 to 8. 
Now he talks about God's power on earth. In verse 9, God can make an angry sea quiet. This means he can make the loudest sea quiet. Jesus did this when he stopped the storm at sea. Jesus could do this because he was God. In verse 10, Rahab was either a sea monster or a name for Egypt. In verse 12, Tabor and Hermon are the names of mountains in Israel. When we see great hills and mountains, we remember that God made them. That makes us praise God. Mountains do not praise God. They make us praise God. In verses 15 through 18, we read about God's people. They are people that praise God. In verse 15, walk means live. The light of your face means God being good or God showing the way. God's face is where God is. Verse 17 is full of special Christian words. Some people call them jargon. Some Bible students think it means, because you are great and powerful, you will make them strong. Because you are kind, you will make us strong. Lift up our horn is jargon for make us strong. Note that the psalmist changes from them to our in this verse. He has been talking about God's people all the time. Now he says so. In verse 18, the Holy One of Israel is a name for God. Does anybody have any questions so far? I was going to ask about reading at Christmas time this psalm. Has anybody ever done that? Sung this psalm at Christmas? Mm -mm. Yes, I was wondering too why. Why do they say that? I've never ever. Mm -mm. And they say Christians will sing it celebrate Jesus. Are they talking maybe early Christians? Maybe. Yeah, or some many centuries. Or is there a hymn that has kind of gone off of it or something like that? I don't know. I was wondering if anybody in any of the churches that you grew up in have ever sung it. I never did. Okay, Psalm 89, verses 19 through 37. A long time ago, you spoke to your servants. It was like a dream. You said to them, I have given help to a brave soldier. I have chosen a young man from the people. I have uh, <clears throat> I found David, my servant. I have poured my special oil over him to make him king. My hand will make him strong, and yes, my arm will make him powerful. No enemy will win a war against him, and no wicked people will conquer him. I will destroy his enemies before him and kill those that hate him. I will do everything that I have promised him. Also, I will give him my kind love, and by my name I will raise his horn. I will put his left hand over the sea and his right hand over the rivers. He, David, will say to me, You are my Father, my God, and the rock that makes me safe. Also, I will make him as my firstborn son. He will be the most high of the kings of the earth. I will always give him my kind wealth, and my covenant with him will have no end. One of his family will always be king as long as there are skies above us. If his descendants do not listen to what I am teaching them and do not obey my laws, say that my laws are bad and do not do what I tell them to do, I will punish their sin with a stick and the wrong things they do with a whip. 
but I will not take my kind love from him, David, and I will not break any of my promises. I will not break my covenant with him or change any of my promises. At one time I made a promise, because I am holy, I will not lie to David. His descendants will always continue in his, in his kingdom, will go on as long as the sun shines. Like the moon, it will always be there. From the sky, it will see everything that happens. So these verses mean that in this part of the psalm, Ethan remembers the promises that God made to David. He said that all God's people could see God in a vision. Verse 19, a vision is like a dream. This could be a whole discussion in and of itself. Dreams sometimes are God's way of talking to us. Mm -hmm. Hmm. Do you ever, with your kids, did you ever in the morning sit around at breakfast and talk about the dreams that they had the night before? Yeah. My niece was over one time and she got up and was telling us about a, a dream that she had. And then Jonathan was in the room too somehow. And, and I'm like, oh, that's so, she was talking about with homeschooling that they always talked about their dreams. Every morning at breakfast, they would always talk about their dreams. Mm -hmm. And my nephew says, yes, but that could be like a two-hour discussion because we're 12 kids. So <laughs> all these kids sitting around the table and all of them talking about their dreams. I don't know. They could also hear what God said. He told them that David was to be their king. In those days, they made someone king by anointing them. This means pouring oil over them. They made the oil from olives, which grew on the trees in Israel and still do. In verse 21 and verse 13, the hand and arm of God mean the things that he does on the earth. In verse 24, we read about a horn again. It is a horn on the head of an animal that makes it look strong. In verse 17, it was the people that God made strong. Here it is David that God makes strong. <clears throat> the hands over the seas and rivers, verse 25, mean that David is strong in these places. Verse 26 tells us that David will call God, my father. In the Old Testament, the king thought of God as father for his people. In the New Testament, each Christian thinks of God as father. The firstborn son or oldest son, verse 27, had twice as much from his father as the other sons. Most high is also a name for God, but here used for the king. This is a part of the psalm that makes Christians think about Jesus. That is why they have sung it at Christmas for centuries. In verses 32 through 33, it is not David that God punishes, but his descendants. So in the Psalm 89, verses 38 through 52, I had no choice picking the song because I would have picked a much shorter one, by the way. Was there only one? There was, I only got one. I had to do 89, so it's like forever. All right, Justin, you get to start. <laughs> But you have said no to your anointed king. You have turned away from him because you have become angry with him. You have broken the covenant with your sugar. You threw his crown to the ground and made it dirty. You have broken all the walls around his city. You have destroyed all the strong places. Everyone that goes near him robs him. Everyone that lives near him laughs at him. You have made all his enemies strong. You have made them ha all happy because they beat him. You made the edge of his sword blunt, and you have not given him help in war. You have taken away his authority as king, and you threw his throne on the ground. He does not look like a young man anymore. You have dressed him in shame. 
Shalom. Lord, how long will this continue? Will you always hide yourself? Will your great anger always burn like a fire? Remember that my life is short. Have you created people for no reason? What man can live and not die? Who can save himself from the power of Sheol, death? Lord, where is the kind love that you gave us in past times? Where are the special promises that you made to David? Remember, Lord, that people have scorned your servant. Many countries have said bad things to me. Lord, your enemies laugh at the king that you have chosen. They scorn him everywhere he goes. Always praise the Lord. Amen. In the first 18 verses, the psalmist tells us how great God is. In verses 19 through 37, he tells us what God promised to David. Now, in verses 38 through 45, he tells us that God has not done what he promised. In verses 46 through 51, he prays that God will do something. And the servant in verses 39 and 50 is the king. Some Bible students think that the king speaks in verses 50 and 51. The psalm does not answer the problem. There is no answer until Jesus came to earth. Remember that Jesus was a descendant of David. So did Ethan write all of Psalm 89? Many Bible students think that Psalm 89 is three psalms in one. Ethan was one of David's singers. He could not have known about Nebuchadnezzar who lived 500 years later. Bible students explain this by saying that Ethan wrote the first part, and then someone else wrote the next part, which would have been 400 years after David ruled Israel, and Josiah maybe was king, and then a third person wrote the last part. This was after Nebuchadnezzar had beaten the Jews. He took their king to Babylon. Jehoiakim was not king anymore. So. This is, I brought my little time book, my book of time. I did this with the kids when I was homeschooling them. But it's all about from the creation, from the beginning of creation until now and everything that kind of happened in history. So somewhere along here, you have Adam and Eve being created. Can't remember where they put that on the time. No, right here. 4100 BC is a guess. So in this psalm, they're saying that King David reigned from 1040 to 970 BC right here. And he was, Ethan the Ezraite was King David's singer. And then maybe also in Solomon's temple for a little while. But the psalm gives specific vivid details of the Babylonian time in Nebuchadnezzar, and they're saying that Ethan could not have been alive during that time, because it would have been way over here, in 630 to 562 BC, so like 500 years later. So I don't know. What was the lifespan of people during David's time? It wasn't that long. 120, probably. 120 years. 100, 120 years. So have you ever heard that about Psalm 89? Mm. It must have been three different people that wrote it. Mm -hmm. And Ethan just got credit for all of it. Sweet. Okay. 500 years to get credit. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Isn't that just the way it is for for (laughs) artists? 
after they're dead, then they get credit. of wisdom do you have? A lot of information. No. I don't. But I have a question. I'm good with questions. Dreams. How do you know if they're from God or not from God? That is a fantastic question. Justin. <laughs> <laughs> well, some of them you can definitely tell they are because they can give you information that you couldn't have gotten any other way. her dreams and they're always these awesome, most wonderful, beautiful, make you feel wonderful kind of dreams. I hardly ever remember dreams like that. I always remember the really scary nightmare type stuff. What am I doing wrong? <laughs> My last dream from God had Michelle Obama in it. <laughs> really? <laughs> Are we still recording? <laughs> <laughs> yes, we are. <laughs> Maybe we should turn that off now. Do we think we should turn this off now that we've gotten over into the... Uh, You're going to have really angry calls. Po political <laughs> realm. Actually, did you see the news that 11 people were murdered mm -hmm. in France today? Oh, that's what I was going to ask. It's really what sad. Happened? A terror attack. It was. Oh, that's what it was. It was an attack on a on a newspaper or a magazine, magazine. that had is it regularly posts anti-Muslim humor. Do they normally have that over there? Because that's the first time I've heard of it in France. Me too. I had never heard of that before either. It's the same one that had um, published the cartoons with Muhammad that were kind of disgraceful to Mohammed it was a couple of years ago mm. and there were a lot of protests at that point too but not any attacks that I know of but very recently they started making comical criticism of the leader of ISIS mm. that's what it was mm. kind of playing with fire there mm. safe to travel mm. so then Thomas Lonke texted me today He's in Lebanon. Oh my word. And he has to fly out tomorrow from Lebanon back to Switzerland through Istanbul, Turkey. Yeah. So he, he didn't ask for prayer, but I kind of got the gist <laughs> that he was saying, because he said today after the, the news broke of the attacks, he said all over the city people were firing weapons and yelling and celebrating in the streets. He said there was huge groups of people. So he didn't go outside. Mm. 
that? Thomas, a friend of ours from Switzerland. Mr. Thomas Lonky. It sounds very familiar. He was here, here for the anniversary. He's, okay. he's tall and, and thin and... His glasses, curly glasses, hair. Glasses, curly hair. Curly brown hair. Yep. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yes, I remember. Yep. Okay. It sounded very familiar. Yep. Really, really neat man. So, so he's flying tomorrow, so we can remember to pray for him as he flies. So, do you remember having dreams that you knew were from God? Yes, I had a few, I guess. Yes. Even those were scary. Like, I had one dream. I'm not going to give you know specifics, but I had one dream about something in my extended family that was going on that was not good. And in my dream, I was the one that put a stop to it. I confronted it, and I put a stop to it. It was so scary. It, it, freaked me out. And that actually came true a couple years after I had the dream. I mean, I sat bolt upright and just started praying because it was just, I don't know, it was bizarre. But it came true like two years later. But it ended up working out well and and it wasn't, it came, good came out of it instead of bad. So it was taken care of in a good way. But, I don't know if God has to scare me to get my attention or what the deal is. I don't know. Well, I've had something like that where it took a while even after waking up to realize it didn't actually happen. Mm -hmm. and, uh, it was such a relief when you do realize that that was just a dream. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> I've had several, several of that kind where it prompted me for whatever that would have been that was going on. Right. I remember Dennis DeMar, you all know Dennis DeMar, he, um, I was teaching at Good Shepherd Christian Academy with a man named Jerry Goodmanson, who was a teacher at the school. Really neat, neat Christian man. And he had a dream that Dennis got electrocuted and died. Did you, did you hear that story? Yeah. And it, he sat bolt upright in bed and just started praying really hard for him. That next day, Dennis was electrocuted, but it didn't kill him. Electricity, he was working on a furnace and something wasn't turned off that he thought was turned off and he got electrocuted. But it went through him and out and it didn't kill him. No, it didn't go out. It didn't go out? That's... His finger was burnt. His hand or his finger was burnt. I thought it went out his other hand. Mm -mm. Um, there was no exit wound, and that's what the, the doctor was freaked about. Because when he got there, the, he told the person at the emergency room, yeah, I probably should have a doctor take a look at me. And they said, why? And he said, well, I just got hit with so many volts. Oh, my gosh. So they immediately rushed him to the room. And the doctor came running in, and he goes, take off your shoes. And he took off his shoes, and there was nothing wrong. Because that's usually where it goes out is through the feet. Mm. So.
Because after that, they decided that, that he really should have driven trains <laughs> for a living. You know why? No. He's a good conductor. No. <laughs> Anybody else have dreams they've gotten from the wood? Nightmares? Are you in my camp? <laughs> no, I... I have bizarre dreams. Bizarre dreams? Mm -hmm. I used to have nightmares as a kid, but I don't remember my dreams anymore. No, I remember all my dreams. Not really scary ones. I had a couple of them. I was younger, but that was it. Hmm. Not really scary now, they're different. <laughs> Jolene, how about you? Do you have dreams? What? Yeah. Do you have dreams? Do I what? Have dreams? Um, no, I don't sleep enough to have dreams. <laughs> I'm like five, six hours at night. I just, I don't, and it, most of your dreams are like right in the, right before you wake up. Yeah. You know, and I, and I don't remember them if I'm having Really? Yeah. You only sleep five or six oh, hours? Oh, I know. I don't know. I, and then do I, you I guess I don't need to, and you know, it's, well, I rest. But I don't get into a deep sleep. I, I don't know. I just, I, as you get older, you don't really need a lot of sleep. You know, because your metabolism is slowed down and <laughs> it's supposed to. I don't know, mine isn't yet, but. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I just don't dream that much. You know, do you dream a lot? I do. You do? Yeah. Well, mine are not scary. They're bizarre. I've had a couple scary ones, but. Yeah. Mine are bizarre. Just like dumb. Just. to be happening already. Oh. To not, you know. It's, I don't, it started when I went through my divorce, so I think that's kind of brought it, but it doesn't happen all the time, but Dreaming is supposed to, I can't sleep. you dream, you uh, relieve stress. Mm -hmm. You know, it, so dreaming is good, really, or mm -hmm. you know, not nightmares, but I mean, just dreaming is supposed to relieve you know, Help you kind of sort yeah. through your life and what's been going on. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. So. Five or six hours. Have you have you always been like that, Jolene? Five or six hours? No. She used to work nights. I never. I have never slept eight. She yeah. used to work nights down at as, <laughs> as a nurse. So she I don't know. I, I, my mother was like that too. Just hardly ever. You know. But I, I'll go to bed at like nine thirty. You know, used to work so I don't, I'm not a late, I don't, you know, stay up till 11 or 12, you, you know. You worked at nighttime, right? Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Oh, so what time do you get up then? Three? What? Do you wake up at three? Well, I mean, I don't go, I don't all of a sudden go to bed. I go to bed at night, just lay and relax. I mean, I don't fall into a deep sleep until probably Tom comes to bed like 10. 
Okay. You know, yeah, 10, 15. And then I'm up at 6 or 7, you know, depending on what I do. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I don't know. It's just strange. I, I just don't need a lot of sleep. A lot of people do. Most people need, like, you probably need eight hours. Him? No. Me? Nine. <laughs> I sleep eight. I sleep about <laughs> maximum six a night. Oh well, then you're okay. But he does take naps once in a while, not every day. Yeah. Oh, I miss naps. Naps are good. Yeah, I miss naps. I took a twenty-minute nap here this afternoon. Right in this chair. <laughs> did you dream? I probably did. I just didn't. Wasn't significant. So. I, it was not significant. I don't remember. I remember that I dreamt, dreamt, and I remember what it was. But if I, if it's not significant, then I don't focus on it. If it's from God, I do not forget it ever. So, I still remember the first time I ever had a dream from the Lord. And, but, you know, it might have a lot to do with me working thirty years of that night shift too. Mm -hmm. I'm wondering about that. That it kind of messed up your sleep. You sleeping know, home in the morning and then sleep till maybe 11, get up, eat, go back to bed. You know, it's so, but it was always part time. I never worked full time nights. You know, it's just part time. But still, it's it's wearing on you, I think, the night shift. <laughs> well, you probably worked the night shift many mm -hmm. years, yeah. Mm -hmm. 11 to 7, yeah. It's, I, I didn't. I worked the eleven to seven a couple times, different times, but m mostly three to midnight. Okay. Yeah. Well, when we were married, you worked. I worked three in the. I worked in the three in the morning until noon. Worked in the morning. Three in the morning. Oh, okay. I worked both of those three in, three in the afternoon till midnight, or at, when we first met, I was working three in the morning until oh. noon. Did so, you do that with kids? Oh yeah, we, we were here just before I came here. We waited 11 years to have kids. Oh, you can't. No. That's tough stuff. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. How often do you have those dreams when you know that it's from God? I mean, I've never had anything like that, and every time I feel like God's talking to me, He's telling me to be quiet, shut your mouth. I I've only had it in my entire life, maybe four or five times, my entire life. Yeah. He has it once or twice a month, probably. His walk with the Lord used to bother my son a lot because the Lord will talk to him. And, and my son one time asked me, he's like, Mom, what's wrong with me? Which I think most people, you know, don't hear as often. I'm, I hope. I don't know. So I just, I'm like, Ethan, if God's not talking to you, it means everything's good. Don't worry about it. Just keep doing what you're doing. Because with me, he's only intervened at very pivotal points where he kind of had to because I was not going the right direction. And so what you're saying is every couple of weeks I'm on, I'm completely <laughs> off base. I see where this is going. That's one way you could look at it. But 
what I told Ethan is he he's responsible for a lot of people in, in our congregation and you know spiritually responsible for a lot of different lives. It's not just his life and his family, it's a lot of people. And so I think the Lord speaks to him more often because of that. Mm-hmm. So And it's usually about stuff Church. like that. Yeah. I mean I, I have dreams about people, I have dreams about their situations. I have dreams about Bill House. One night I had a dream of Bill House uh, that I was doing his funeral. And I woke up, and and the same sort of thing as with Jerry, I just started praying. I prayed for a long time, not knowing, I mean, thinking, I mean, it was like I was actually doing his funeral. And so I was prayed and 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 and then had a release and went back to sleep. Well, that week he had a heart attack and survived. He lived. And uh, it was about, it was a few months after that because I was talking about that when God leads you to pray for somebody, do it. Because you don't know what, you know, whether you're awake or asleep. Is, I just gave the example of that I had prayed for somebody in the congregation. And, you know, just as an example, of here's why you do that sort of thing. And I said, and, you know, Bill had the had the heart attack. But I, this was months after he had had it, because I never told him that I'd had the dream or that I'd prayed for him. <clears throat> when it happened, I just was like, hmm, yeah, there you go. And so then that day as I'm standing out shaking hands and he walks by and goes, any dreams lately? <laughs> I, said, I said, nope, you're doing good, Bill. See you next week. <clears throat> but that was just, that's an extreme situation. There was a guy here at the church years ago, uh, years ago, and had a dream that there was a snake in the body and in the dream the snake was in my body I could feel it in my leg and and yeah so it's kind of weird and that's a nightmare that's like a horror dream but there but it wasn't scary that was the 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 interesting thing is it wasn't a fear thing it was just like okay Lord what do I do about this and he said nothing I'll take care of it and then the snake left the snake the snake came out came out of my body through a hole in my leg weird I was gonna say just crawl through underneath your big toe. Yeah, no, it came out a hole in my in my uh, right about right above my knee, and the next week the guy just left. So, you know, but but God was dealing telling me that the guy's a snake. You know, don't trust him. Don't, you know. So just weird stuff like that. The one the one that I just had was. And I've heard about this from a lot of different ministers, is that when God really starts to do something in their ministry, or when things really start happening, all kinds of concern that you know we're doing all this stuff, but but what about my walk with you, Lord? You know, it's that you know, Paul Paul said, um, and I won't quote it exactly because I don't know, I don't have it memorized, but but basically that you know his fear was that he had led all these other people to the Lord and done so much for other people's lives and yet he might miss salvation and what's that verse I can't remember somebody knows it better than I do but just the, just that fear you know that Lord am I am I doing all right is my walk with you okay <clears throat> it's just kind of a nagging thing Satan was it was just the attack of, it was the attack of Satan well I had a dream the other day and it was 
I was actually sleeping downstairs, and I'm glad I was, so I fell asleep in my rocking chair. Because in the dream, I was well, not rocking chair. What are you? Seventy-five or eighty. My lazy boy. Those are two very different things. They are, but I'm asleep in my lazy boy, and in the dream, I'm in a battle. We're 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 in a battle, and I recognize a ton of people in the that are around us, and we're all fighting, and so on and so forth, and. All of a sudden, Michelle Obama comes by with her entourage. And I'm like, what are you doing here? Get down. Because they were just walking as though nothing was going on. Like they own the place. And I said, which has its own ramifications. I said, what are you doing here? And just then, the enemy saw her and started attacking. Started, Started because they saw her. And then the... Uh, a, a f- whole bunch of fighter jets go over and basically strafe the, the enemy. Well, in that moment, I realized that what the president had done was send his wife into battle to draw the enemy out to destroy them. Yeah, sacrificing her, basically sacrificing her. And I was like, I was just incensed. I was like, you are kidding me. You do not send your wife to, to draw the enemy out. And I was just angry. And so, and then um, she said, well, I guess I'm just going to, I'm just expendable. And I, and in the dream, I yell, you, he's, I said, in this army, we do not leave member. We do not, members are not expendable. But as I, as I was yelling that in the dream, I also woke up and came right out of the chair. I, I stood. That's why I told you I was glad I wasn't in bed at that time because it it would have woke you up. I was yelling it. I actually I could hear myself saying, "Going, whoa, this is weird." And waking up, standing in the room, yelling that that you know the the members of this army are not expendable. So ever since then, I'm like, oh, okay, cool. That's because that that was definitely God. That that dream. So those are the kind of things. You just reminded me I had a dream from God and missed a couple um, last week about this time, I guess. Um, and the reason why I didn't think of it is because I was thinking of other ones that were more clearly God revealing something to me, but this was a type that I have a lot, um, which is basically a way of realizing something pieces together before and, and this was I had a dream that I was here um, at church and I don't remember who it was but it was somebody from the congregation I was talking to and um, they asked me how I was doing and I said I'm doing really good I'm feeling happy and whatever and they asked me why and I didn't have an answer for them and it bothered me that I didn't have an answer for them because it seemed like well I, if I'm feeling happy it, and I'm really feeling happy, I should have a reason for it, and I didn't have one. So that that was the the state I was in. I actually was feeling really good um, last week, and there's, there's kind of a starting point to it. There wasn't really a reason for it. Well, the thing that that dream did was it made me realize that I was looking for circumstances to explain my condition. 
And so if I'm doing good, it's because something must have happened. Mm-hmm. Or if I'm doing bad, it's because something must have happened, rather than having my, my attitude and my perspective separate from the circumstances or the things that have happened. So that, for me, was helpful. And so I think that God helped me in that dream to realize that. Hmm. I don't know. So I get those dreams probably every week. Wow. I think I get more stuff like that, like when I'm awake. Because I'm constantly, I, you know, I have a job that I can sit there and, and do my work, but it's so repetitive that I can really think. And that's kind of every single day that's just like my time. I just sit there and pray pretty much the entire time unless something else has my attention. But I always feel like I get those type of revelations when I'm doing that and when it's just daily things and then I have to think back and I'm like, oh, okay. And I was kind of thinking about that when you were talking before, that there's something about having them in the day too. I mean, it's not really a dream, but it's kind of a daydream or whatever, but... A daydream. Huh. <laughs> I haven't heard that in a long time. Talk to Naomi, she has daydreams all the time. I do it all the time. Naomi's never on Earth, she's always on <laughs> But I probably had three of those last week where it caused me to do something, um, communicate something to somebody that happened to be exactly what they needed at that time, too. So. Cool. I think those are, are certainly the category of faith in God. Mm-hmm. I've never had any dreams connected with God that way. What happens for me is when I ask God for something, it happens. Hmm. So it's really spooky for me. Because hmm. every time I've asked, I stop myself because I go, I don't want to take advantage. You know, mm-hmm. but I, it's never come through like sleeping or dreaming. I've always asked them while I'm awake. Wow. So I can stop. You must be good though at knowing what God's will is for your life because it's weird. Yeah. I think it started with my mom's mom. She was very, very religious and it just maybe went down the chain. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. But I kind of stopped though. I just went, mm. But yeah, it's never come out in a dream. I've had to, you know, have my talk with God and hey, look, <laughs> this is what I want, <laughs> you know. Mm-hmm. That's important to know what what God wants. Yeah, His will is perfect. But yeah, they and they all have. It all happened. Everything I've asked them for. Hmm. It's very cool. And it was actually more easier when I asked God, now that I'm thinking about it, it was more easier when I had my talk with God and asked Him versus me just going to do it myself. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Definitely. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So when I, when I asked God, Oh, I really need this in my life, just, you know, whether it was a job or a, you know, whatever it was. 
I asked God, it was like a piece of cake. But then mm -hmm. when I went to try something and I didn't think about it, and I was like, oh, it, it didn't even occur to me to even pray, you know, to ask for help. Mm -hmm. Now that I look at the differences, it went easier when I did ask. My niece yeah. told me a story once. She said she always finds these amazing bargains at, you know, thrift stores or whatever it is. She's shopping. Her budget's, you know, very, at that time was very, very small. You know, maybe still is, I don't know. But she said she got into the habit that before she would go shopping, she would pray before she would go shopping, ask Jesus to go with her and help her, you know, direct her to find exactly what she needed. And then if she prayed before she went, she always found what she needed, dirt cheap, what she could have, you know, at a price she yeah. could afford. Like, uh, even the little things. That's cool. I've done that going to Axeman before. <laughs> <laughs> What's Axeman? It's a kind of a surplus sort of store on University Avenue. That's the best location where they've got junk that was left over from companies and whatever. It is. You can you can buy a uh, a spring, a spring, or you could buy a bomb shell casing. Okay. Or a, you have a they have a uh, uh, an iron lung. In the in the room, a lot of things aren't for sale anymore. But I mean, they just have stuff. Bizarre stuff. Hats that say Nabisco. <laughs> uh, just weird, you know. And then tons of electrical stuff and or electronic, I should say, really more electronics. We used to go there all the time with Tom. We'd go out for lunch, then we'd go hang out there for an hour or so, just walk around. It's a fun place. Hmm. I remember the one time that I I was going to go look for one particular thing. I knew that if they had it, where it would be, and I um, I prayed ahead of time because I get stuck in that store and I can be in there for three hours and <laughs> walk out with a whole bunch of stuff I didn't need and whatever. So I prayed before I went there that um, Lord help me find it. And if I don't need it, to not buy a bunch of stuff I don't need and get out of there. And if there's something else I'm supposed to find there, lead me to it. Well, the one place that I was trying to go to in the store, there were two people standing right in the way. And um, I got in there and I was kind of trying to <laughs> get around them and I couldn't. But I heard them talking about what they were trying to build. And they were way on, they were down the wrong path for how to actually build what they were trying to build. Something electronic and I knew what they were talking about. And they were trying to control um, great big lights for um, videography and have dimming and they were looking at little potentiometers yeah. or for oh, kidding. little tiny stuff. But they'll sit there and hum and get hot. And <laughs> yeah, so anyway, um, I knew that in the store they used to have um, some great big rheostats where they're like humongous and actually could have done what they wanted. Um, steered them away from what they were trying to do and said if they have it and I have seen them here before it would be over here and I didn't find it but I found a whole tray of something that you can never find anywhere unless you custom ordered them and normally you have to buy them in large quantity um, for a project that I was working on it was exactly the thing that I needed I never expected to ever find it but I found a whole tray of these things like um, 16 of them for 75 cents each mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and they're probably 
probably worth fifteen dollars each, then I wouldn't have given them to buy them. So that was really neat. So he kind of rewarded me for trying to help these guys. I was you weren't just moving them over to a different <laughs> no, part of the I store wasn't. so you could get where you wanted to go. So what I went in there for, they didn't have, but I found something that was like the best deal I ever got there. Mm, cool. I'll take you there sometime. It's fun. For a guy or for a girl? Oh, for anybody. <laughs> it's a, it's, we, we always said it's a cultural experience. It, you, have to, you have to go to Axman at least once in your life. Mm -hmm. yeah. Unlike any other store. <laughs> yeah, it, it's, it's wild. You'll, you'll be walking along and you'll, you'll find, uh, you know, electronic parts and then right next to that is, is, uh, Red uh, yo-yos with uh, something and and no strings on any of them, you know, just all these yo-yos with no strings. And then next to that'll be uh, dust masks that are pink or you know, just odd, just weird. It's fun. It's like candy for the mind. It used to be more more of a. A treasure hunt before the internet where you could look up what something actually is because a lot of times they would buy surplus from someplace they didn't even really know what it was and they put a 75 cent price on it and the one person that happens to walk in that actually knows what that thing is knows how much it's worth mm -hmm. so I've collected lots of <laughs> junk from there so then what's what the best part of the whole store then is a lot of times they don't even know what it is, so they'll they'll put suggested uses <laughs> for for whatever this is, and say so you can uh, make coasters for shot glasses or you know, <laughs> or just goofy stuff. It's fun. We'll go there sometime. You, you have to experience it rather than just hear about it. Can't wait. <laughs> go in with a very open mind. <laughs> or 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 a time limit. We're staying for fifteen minutes and make it good. <laughs> There's several times I found exactly what I needed there. And I went in thinking that, okay, there might be something here, but probably not. And I, I found exactly what I needed. I, I bought a transformer last summer that, for a project, I bought it for $50, and that's a $360 transformer. I've gone in there a lot and came out with stuff I did not need. <laughs> Because this is so cool. Yeah, it sounds kind of scary. All right. Well, Father, we do thank you for having us come back. Thank you for Jolene, that she had a happy birthday and brought great food. Thank you for Psalm 89 for Debbie teaching. And we just, Lord, pray that you'll watch over everybody. And as we come back in two weeks, starting out in the New Testament, we just give you the glory and the honor in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And God bless Axeman. <laughs>